All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Old Head, the uh, final episode of 2019. If you are listening to this as it's being released, then it is December 18th, 2019. We are quickly approaching not only the end of 2019, but the end of the 20-teens, I guess you would say. And um, it's been quite an eventful year for me. I actually started this podcast at the beginning of this year. I think my first episode came out on January 3rd, I think. And soon after that, I started my YouTube channel, and I've been keeping up with that. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think at this point... I have almost 700 subscribers on YouTube. If you're not already subscribed, please go do so. Um, it's under Old Head Podcast, I think, something like that. Um, and I know that in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to YouTube, 700 subscribers is fucking nothing. But seeing as though I'm not talking about video games or doing makeup tutorials, I think I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> Maybe, I guess. Anyway, also this year, I got married. That's right. I got married to an amazing woman who, quite frankly, is the biggest reason why I got up the nerve to do this podcast and the videos that I've been doing on YouTube. So, if you all have been enjoying my shit, then you have her to thank. So, personally, 2019 has been a pretty fucking good year. Now, on the music side of things, I feel like 2019 has been a little bit weird, a little bit inconsistent. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't... It's not wrapping up to be an amazing year in music for me, although there are some really standout albums as we will get to very shortly. But what happened in 2019? Um, number one, I guess the biggest news in the world of metal is we said goodbye to Slayer. So um, whether or not that is an actual goodbye where they're done touring and recording it's yet to be seen. I don't know. I I, uh, I get the feeling that maybe they are legit done. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But um, we also found out that sometimes being legit done doesn't actually mean that you're done. We welcome back Motley Crue, um, which is... Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. You look at the pictures that they've posted online and Mick Mars looks like... He's not really feeling it. I mean, he's got his own health problems, and I, I hope they're not just dragging the motherfucker out to make some money, but whatever. And, and also, you know, if you're like me, you can't afford to go to the goddamn show anyway. I don't know if anyone's paid attention, but the tickets for this big-ass Motley Crue Poison Def Leppard extravaganza start at about $75 if you're lucky. In the nosebleeds. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I won't be going. I, I don't have that kind of money. But apparently a lot of people do because their shows are selling out. So I guess we can't do anything about these ridiculous prices for concerts because people just keep forking over the fucking money. Um, anyway, 
another thing that happened this year, uh, which I felt a lot, is I was constantly worried about Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, I think probably close to the beginning of this year, I, I was really thinking maybe we're going to lose Ozzy this year. I mean, he's had a lot of health problems, and it doesn't seem like it's getting much better. I mean, he's an old dude. He's been through a lot. But um, he's putting out new music, and it's not bad. I'll, I'll reserve my judgment you know, when I hear the full album next year at some point. Um, so, yeah, I, I worry about Ozzy because he's an icon, and he's somebody that I feel has been there in my life since my teenage years. So, I don't know. He's he's going to be one of those metal icons that when he dies, I think it's it's going to affect me. You're probably going to hear me do an entire episode just talking about Ozzy because he's he's just been there. He's a he's been there since the beginning of metal, you know. So, um anyway, but let's move on. Let's move on to why we're really here today. We're really here today to talk about the albums of 2019, specifically my top 10 albums of 2019. Now, I want to specify and clarify and all the other fives that my top 10 albums simply means my favorite albums of 2019. I'm not saying these are the best albums. Quite frankly, I get pretty annoyed at anyone who claims to be some sort of expert and that their opinions somehow should be held above others. So this is just going to be me talking about the albums that I heard in 2019 that stuck with me in whatever way they stuck with me. I I do think that, unfortunately, when it comes to these best-of-the-year lists... There are some albums that end up on all sorts of different lists because I think people feel like they need to be there. I feel like some albums come out and you're supposed to find a way for it to be good. Even if it doesn't really hit you as good, you're going to figure it out. Um, A big one, which... Some people seem to love is the uh, new Tool album, Fear Inoculum. Um, From what I gather from people giving me feedback on my opinions on Tool, I'm supposed to listen to the album 50 times to get the tiny nuances that make it special. Well, I don't got that kind of fucking time. And the album to me was just whatever. So, uh, but it's on the end of your list. And I get it if Tool's your favorite band of all time, you just love hearing Tool do shit, that's totally fine. But arguing with me that it's a good album and one of the best of the year, I don't know. It's whatever. Like I said, personal preference. But there's other albums like that that just show up and I feel like people are trying to force them in. Like Opeth. Opeth's a great band. The album is good. Is it great? I don't think so. Baroness. Baroness has fucking fallen off for me. Like, I loved their first album, and ever since then, each album gets a little bit more boring, but they've grown in popularity as they've gotten more boring to me. So, who the fuck am I? What do I know? Apparently nothing. Um, Also, Slipknot. Slipknot's another one of those things where it's 
one of the biggest metal bands in the world. So I think people feel like it should be amazing and they should put it in lists, but I didn't think it was very good, but I'm also not a Slipknot fan. So, you know, these are all things where I question the honesty when it comes to including albums like this in the end of year lists that you see. Because there's a part of me that feels like in order to seem like you have credibility, you have to somehow shoehorn in some of these albums. But I, I might be being cynical. In fact, I I think I am. But for me, the albums that end up in my top 10 list, it's it's mostly a feeling. Sure, there's some technical things I could talk about because sometimes the technical aspects of an album or songwriting or performances or whatever, that can lift an album up, in my opinion, and make me want to listen to it more. But in in the end, it still connects with something in me that draws me back to listen to the album over and over again. And so that's where we are. And to be fair, there are always albums that come out where I want to really like it. And sometimes I struggle with not liking something that comes out. There were a few this year. The new Death Angel album, Humanicide, I believe it's called. Um, it just wasn't special. There wasn't enough of a variety of songs. It didn't sound different enough from what they had already been doing. Same thing with Overkill, The Wings of War. It's just too samey. And it's not good enough for me to overlook the sameness of it. So those albums are ones that I listened to and I enjoyed aspects of them, but then I just never went back. Uh, Flotsam and Jetsam, that's one that was very close to being in my top 10 because I did enjoy it, but I do like the early Flotsam and Jetsam a lot more to what they're doing now, which seems a little more... It's thrashy, but almost in a power metal kind of way. And as the year went on, I just started to listen to that album less and less. Uh, so I, at the end of the day, I just got to make a decision. I'm like, well, if I'm not going back to listen to these albums, you know, if nothing's drawing me back, is it worthy of being in my top 10, even if I really love the band? and maybe even really love some aspects of the album. So these are all the thoughts that go through my head when I'm preparing what you are about to hear. We're already fucking 11 minutes in, and I haven't even started with my list. So, okay, okay. Let me let me throw out a few honorable mentions before I, I get into my top 10. So um, ones that didn't make it that were really good, uh, the Black Mountain album, Destroyer. Um, I did a, a video review on my YouTube channel. Go check it out. That's a good album. Um, there's a the new album by the band Lopan. Uh, the album's called Subtle. Um, that's one definitely worth checking out. Um, the new Abath album, uh, Outstrider. I, I, I liked it, but once again, it, it didn't stick with me that much, so it, it ended up not making the cut. And um, also... I do realize that a whole shitload of music comes out. And you know what? I try to listen to a lot of it because I fucking enjoy it. Every single Friday, I dig through all the new metal and rock that comes out on Apple Music. And 
listen to shit that I don't know and see if anything connects with me. And, uh, you know, sometimes I find shit that I wasn't expecting, but I, I do understand that there's probably albums out there that I just didn't hear. But the ones that I did hear, all of that shit gets funneled down into this tiny little hole and out comes my top 10 albums of 2019. Let's do it. Number 10, Taylor Hawkins and the Coattail Riders get the money. Yeah, this is a fucking fun album. And you know what? Taylor Hawkins is a very underrated songwriter, musician. He is, if if you know, which you probably do, Taylor Hawkins is the drummer of the Foo Fighters. But he's got his own shit going on. And honestly, every time Taylor Hawkins releases something on his own, whether it's the solo mini album he did, or uh, uh, the last Coattail Writers album, or uh, the album he did under the name the, the Birds of Satan, every time I hear any of his shit, I always think to myself, man, I wish that I enjoyed the Foo Fighters as much as I enjoy Taylor Hawkins doing his own thing. And this album is one of those things, again, where I I hear it and it's just so enjoyable. So to give you an idea of what Taylor Hawkins does, he's he likes the 70s. Um, he likes proggy things. Uh, either, some of his stuff in the past has been been pretty proggy. He clearly loves Queen and bands like that. And Get the Money, to me, just sounds like somebody took an old jukebox from the 70s that the records hadn't been changed out since like 79, and they smashed it to pieces, and Taylor Hawkins comes by and just put shit back together however he feels it should go. It just sounds like you're listening to rock radio in the 70s, and it's a variety of cool songs. There's there's an all-star ensemble of featured artists. You got Duff McKagan, uh, Nancy Wilson, Dave Grohl, of course, Perry Farrell, even Leanne fucking Rhymes is on there. But he's just so good at crafting these classic sounding rock songs that don't sound rehashed or throwback they just kind of sound like new reimaginings of old sounds i guess anyway it's a very enjoyable album number 10 taylor hawkins and the coattail writers get the money number nine violation wound dying to live Living to Die. So, Violation Wound is a heavy, punky kind of band fronted by Chris Reifert, or Reifert, however you pronounce it. He was in the band Autopsy back in the day, and for the most part, he's a drummer. But in this case, he is the guitarist and vocalist, and the music on this album is so much fun. You'll hear me say that a lot. I like having fun when I listen to music. It is straightforward, to-the-point, aggressive, metallic punk the the songs are short they're urgent it sounds like the the band was having so much fun making this album and you kind of feel it and you have a good time too it's the band's really tight the production's great it just sort of leaps out of your speakers it's it's just one of those things where 
they didn't put too much thought into it. It's just let the punk rock flow out of your body. And uh, Chris Reifert's vocals are very gruff and deep and guttural, but also very punk at the same time. It's, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, number nine, Violation Wound, Dying to Live, Living to Die. Number eight, I did a review of this album on my YouTube page. Uh, the new album from Lagwagon, Railer. Uh, Lagwagon's a California punk band around since the early 90s, and I was into them very much so back in the 90s. And uh, this album is another one of those that it just felt really good the first time I heard it. And I kept coming back to it over and over again because it really sort of takes me back to the 90s and how much I loved these sort of fast, kind of technical punk bands that were coming out of California um, on Fat Records back in the 90s. And this album has everything that I want out of a Lagwagon album. Uh, I, I, I went more in depth in my review um, you could go to my YouTube page and watch it, but um, it's just a really fun, really energetic punk rock album, and it's just pretty much stayed in the rotation of shit that I've wanted to listen to ever since it came out. So, uh, number eight, Lagwagon Railer. Coming in at number seven is the debut album from the Philadelphia noise rock band Low Dose. This was one that I was anticipating. If you Listened to my very first podcast back in January. I was talking about this album. I did a review on my YouTube page of this album. And uh, the album pretty much fucking delivered what I wanted. Um, Lodos uh, features ex-members of the band Fight Amp that I was really into. And um, with the uh, addition of vocalist-guitarist Itaria Rosenberg, uh, it, it's just this great sort of intense... Uh, energetic discordant noise rock it, it's just it's so good um harkens back to all of that great noise rock that came back in the 90s you'll hear this a lot from me if something really sort of takes me back in a really great way to shit that i loved um it, you can't go wrong especially if there's quality fucking songwriting and performances which that's all over all over this first album from low dose um, so uh, it lands here at number seven, Low Dose. The album is called also Low Dose. Number six. We're getting into the metal here, folks. Number six comes from a British extreme metal band called Chrysla. K-R-Y-S-T-H-L-A. Their new album is called Worldwide Negative. And this is the most modern sounding album that is on my list um i'm not very good with modern metal descriptors this band is extreme metal there's a groove element in it uh the bands that come to mind when i hear their music there's a little bit of gojira in there uh maybe some mashuga but it's it connects with me in such a great way, probably because it has a very organic quality, but it still has those metallic staccato riffs and also, you know, some melody thrown in there. 
And on top of that, you've got the full-throated yelling vocals of uh, Adi Maze or Adi Maze. I'm not how I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but he fucking rules. Um, most of the time with modern metal singers, it just sounds so generic and forced. And I, I, I don't really know what it is, but but a large majority of modern metal vocalists just have this quality where they don't sound unique. It, it doesn't sound natural. It just sounds like, you know, they needed some vocals. And so they're like, well, this will do, I guess. But um, not in this case, not with Mr. Mays. He, uh, he He's a great metal vocalist. And on top of that, the band is fucking tight. There's so many great riffs all over the place. And the production is actually really good to me for a modern metal album. So many modern metal albums sound like they were recorded on a laptop in somebody's bedroom. There's no passion. There's no uh, feeling that you can really get across. It just sounds like somebody programmed a metal machine and then this is the album that came out of the printer. And, you know, but... This album, uh, Worldwide Negative from Chrysla, it does not have any of that. It has modern metal sounds, but it keeps it organic. And um, it's another one of those things, like I said, where I kept coming back to it. There are parts of all the songs where I would just hear it and go, oh, this is fucking great. And and every time I'd listen to it, I'd get a little more out of it. Um, so kudos to them for being a modern metal band that actually caught my attention and then held it. So, uh, number six, Chrysla, Worldwide Negative. Number five. Now, if you had told me at the beginning of this year that a new metal album would be in my top ten list, let alone at number five, I would have thought you were fucking insane. But the album The Nothing by Korn not only surprised me when it came out and I liked it so much, but I've just listened to this album a lot. Um... It's very catchy. It's well-produced. The performances are great. The riffs are great. Um, It's like all of the things that I liked about new metal, which weren't many, are are here. And all the bullshit was kind of left behind. I don't don't know exactly how to quantify it because I'm not necessarily a fan of new metal. I did an entire podcast on new metal and how I feel about it. But this album just stayed up there with me ever since it came out um it's totally enjoyable it's probably the biggest surprise of the year for me um i don't really need to talk much about corn do i you either know them and like them or hate them or whatever you know but um at any rate go check out the nothing by corn uh quality fucking album um so yeah number five corn the nothing Oh, shit. There's the alarm, folks. Why are you hearing an alarm? It's because we have now entered the thrash metal zone. You knew it was going to happen, so here we are now, starting with number four. Warsenal. Feast your eyes. So, Warsenal, or Warsenal? I'm not really sure. They're from Montreal, Canada, so maybe it's supposed to be pronounced Warsenal. I don't know. It's kind of a silly name, but I don't fucking care. This album is killer. It is their second album, and it is just fun as fuck. 
There, it is fast. There are fast guitar riffs everywhere. Everywhere you turn, you can't escape the goddamn speed on the guitars in this album. And it's there's an urgency to it too. Sometimes it, it sounds like it might be bordering on sloppy, just a little, but it only adds to why I love this album so much. It sounds like this is a band that had these songs and they couldn't wait to get them out. The songs could not be contained anymore. They burst out into the studio, onto the tape or whatever they were recording it with. And even when it's on the vinyl, which I did, yes, I bought the vinyl of this album. I suggest you buy it too. Um, it just, it bursts out of everywhere. It's, it's, a, it's an album that cannot be contained. It's old school sounding thrash metal, but the riffs kind of remind me of like the very first Megadeth album, how it's, it just sound like, okay, dude, you guys are just showing off a bit too much with this shit here, but it's because they could fucking do it. And then vocally, um, I would compare it maybe to the creator and Sodom kind of vocals. Uh, but they, they complement the songs so well. It's, it's, um, I can't even say it's just thrash done in such an amazing way where it's fun, but it's not this pizza and beer band bullshit that you see out today with these younger bands that seem like they have to sing about being thrash metal and everything seems like it's a joke. No, this is not that kind of shit. This is pure, unadulterated, driving way too fast in your car type of metal speed that's going on here. Obviously, I'm very excited about this album. It is fucking great. It harkens back to the day when thrash bands were hungry and ready to get out there and destroy some shit, and there were no fucking rules. So, uh, yes, Warsenal, Feast Your Eyes, number four. Number three. Coming in at number three is the album that, on my very first podcast, I spoke about this album as my most anticipated album of the year, and that is the new album from Sacred Reich, which is called Awakening. Uh, a Sacred Reich is one of my favorite thrash metal bands of all time, and this is their first album in 23 years, and in my opinion, it totally delivered. Um, this is one of those things where I gotta relate to the Tool fans, because I can see some people's gripes about this album, but they're they're not problems to me. I I enjoy every minute of this album, um, I think a lot of people were expecting Ignorance Part 2, and that's not exactly what you got. But for me, a fan of all of their albums, I love the fact that it feels like it just falls right in the middle between Ignorance and then their last album before this, which was called Heal. It's got a variety of songs, and I love it when they slow it down and get a little bit more groovy like songs like death valley i i love that shit i love a variety if you've been listening to me this long you know that i just love it when there's a variety of songs and not only that i just love hearing phil rins or rines phil tell me how to pronounce it i just love hearing his voice it doesn't matter even if he had started some other band, I probably would still be singing the praises of whatever it was because he's one of my favorite metal vocalists and he sounds amazing. So 
It's just a very enjoyable album for me, and it doesn't feel forced. It feels like they let the album just happen. The songs happened. It, it just is what it is. It's pure Sacred Reich, and I'm so glad we have them back. And this album almost was my number two. But then I heard this next album. The band is called Algebra. The album is called Pulse. Who the fuck is Algebra? Let me tell you. They are a lesser known thrash metal band from Switzerland. And to give you an idea of how much I love this album, there was no vinyl copy, so I bought a fucking CD. So that should tell you something. This album is so fucking good. It's technical thrash with complex songs. The songs take you places. There's so many good riffs. There's so many memorable parts of all these songs. It kind of sounds like something that may have come out in 1990, you know, where thrash had had become sort of popular and bands were branching out and trying to get a little bit more epic and technical and complicated with their songs. And yeah, it is really, really, really fucking good. I listened to this album over and over again when it came out. I'm still listening to it over and over again now. Um, a really important aspect of this album that I think sets it apart from a lot of other bands, aside from it just being top-notch shit, is uh, vocalist Edie Nicod or Eddie Nicod. What's the deal with you people? My name's Steven. That's how you pronounce it. It's not. There's no mystery behind my name. Maybe that's why it's such a boring name. Anyway, uh, uh, the vocalist... He kind of reminds me of Todd Kowalski, who is the bassist, second vocalist for the band Propagandi, if you are not very familiar with them. Uh, The best way I can put it is, imagine if Scott Ian was the vocalist of a thrash metal band, like like the lead vocalist. This, This actually sounds better than probably what you're hearing in your head, but he's so fucking good because it almost sounds... Like, there's some sort of hardcore tinge in his vocals. They sound urgent. They sound uh, emotional. Um, but he he doesn't feel like he just needs to yell or needs to sing. There's a middle ground. I, I can't go on enough about how much this reminds me of all the classic great thrash metal shit that was happening, you know, in the late 80s and the early 90s. The lyrics are great. There's all these great dual leads the epic song structures, there's unexpected turns in the songs. It's just so enjoyable. And you know what? We didn't even need it, but at the end, they give you a really great fucking cover of Dead Embryonic Cells by Sepultura. This album is just everything I want out of metal. It, uh, Yeah. Please go out and find these guys. For some reason, they don't have a very big internet footprint whatever you want to fucking call that they they have an instagram and 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 a facebook and stuff but it almost seems like they're kind of downplaying the fact that they're this amazing fucking band so go out there and find them the band is called algebra the uh, album is called pulse it's killer it's my number two let's move on to number one 
Do we, do we even need a, a fucking drum roll for this? No, we don't. We don't need a drum roll because if you've been paying any attention and you know anything about me and my channel, then you probably already know that my number one album of the year is the Comeback Album from the UK thrash metal band Acid Rain. The album is called The Age of Entitlement. I, I did a whole video on my YouTube page basically ejaculating all over this fucking album. Um, it's their first album in 29 years. Um, not only that, it's the first album with the new lineup of Acid Rain, which uh, just retains Howard H. Smith from the original lineup, and he's put together a top-notch fucking group of musicians. Um, yeah, this album is what a comeback album should be. It's what a thrash metal album should be. Uh, there's so much great songwriting and great musicianship. You've got Paul Chanter on guitar, who not only fucking rips, but who also seems to have a pretty big hand in the songwriting and riff writing for this new uh, lineup. And it, the songs are so fucking good. But on top of that, you've got uh, Kooky on guitar, Pete D on bass, Mark Jackson on drums. It, it, this is just a killer lineup. It is a killer album with a modern yet classic sound. It's 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 just them building upon the past and charging forward, sounding vital as ever. It's a thrash album that takes you places, very similar to the Algebra album that I was just talking about. This is an album that keeps you on your toes. It it doesn't just give you the thrash metal basics. It, it goes above and beyond. There's some epic fucking songwriting. Um, it is just the album that I have listened to this year more than any other album. And on top of that, being this huge fan of the old school metal, especially thrash metal, and wanting these bands to continue to thrive, this is the best example of what I want out of an album. You can head over to my YouTube page, or if you're already there, go look for my review of this album. It is fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, th this is an album to me that if it is not on people's lists, I assume that they're smoking crack or they're completely clueless. Uh, yes, my number one album of 2019, Acid Rain, The Age of Entitlement. So there you have it. My top 10 albums of 2019. Remember, not the best, just my favorite. And I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you're uh, watching this on YouTube, comment below with what your favorite albums of 2019 were. If you're listening to this as a podcast, remember, I got all sorts of videos and shit over on YouTube. Go check them out. And uh, thank you all so much for listening and watching and making 2019 such a great year for me. I'm going to keep doing this shit into 2020. Um, in fact, the next podcast I do, I think I'm going to go back to how I started off the year this year and talk about the things that I am looking forward to in 2020. So the next time you see me, it will be a new decade. Although some would argue the new decade doesn't start until 2021, but those people can go fuck themselves because I clearly see two 20s in that year. So I'm going to go ahead and go with that. Anyway, thank you for joining me for this. I hope you enjoyed it. I will see you all again next year. Bye.